Let me just, again, I praise you and thank you for Pastor Popoff. I thank you for the Christian House of Prayer and what a blessing it has been to us in particular and to India in general as well. We just want to pray this morning, Lord, as we gather, as we share each other's stories, that you would give all of the insight, grace, and wisdom that your Holy Spirit can give alone. I pray that you would uh, just send out uh, the, the word um, in the message that goes forward afterwards, that you would just uh, apply your Holy Spirit's power, that your word would be honored and glorified and made of permanent value. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start out with just a, a couple of basic questions to ask Pastor. You got your microphone? It's right there. It should be on. I want you to see if that's working for you. You don't need to touch it at all. I think it's working. Okay, my first question is, uh, how did you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, first of all, I greet you all in Jesus' name. Um, praise God that uh, a communist became an evangelist. My father and my mom. When they came to the Lord in the beginning days, uh, they are teachers, but growing in the Lord, don't have children. The children born and die. Children born and die. Then, when a pastor prayed to them in international uh, a missionary touring in India. In a crusade, the last day, he prayed to my parents, you will get a child, a male child. We dedicate him to the Lord's work. Then I was born after three years, in the year 1957. So, growing in the Lord, then afterwards, at my age of 14 years, I had a brain tumor. At the time, though, no medical technology. They traveled to many places. The, finally, the physicians told he will die. It is, seems to cancer like. So they came home and faithfully praying the Lord. After three days fasting prayers, I was uh, totally healed from the brain tumor. Till today, uh, I asked Pastor Tom, please uh, see the mark here. I'll testify there's a mark there. <laughs> <laughs> He's the testifying doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> then I, afterwards, I myself dedicated to the Lord's work and realized he's the Miracle God, Savior, I submitted and dedicated to the Lord's work. After my graduation, I went to the Theological College, 74 to 78. Then I married Pastor Mary. We both gone to the rural villages. That is our vision. All the graduates go to the municipality area, metropolitan cities, our theologians want to settle, but God has given us a watchword to reach the unreached. So 
we went to the rural areas where there is a, a coastal region that is there we started with uh, three old age persons uh, that is women we started the church wow that's i came to the lord that's nice that is wonderful um Explain uh, how, how your children are participating in this ministry as well. Yes, uh, God has blessed us uh, with the three children, two boys and one girl. They've grown up, educated. Then they've grown up in the, the pastoral discipline family. Then afterwards, they got some uh, small employments. And when they are working... God has called them one by one, one by one, to the Lord's ministry. All the three children, boys and girls, are married. I am the blessed with the five grandkids. The three families are returned to the ministry working for the CPH. Nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, why don't you explain how the um, Christian House of Prayer network of pastors and churches began and how it how it developed. Uh, praise God. Um, <clears throat> we have a, a vision to uh, make soul winners when church is growing from the church. We are encouraging the youngsters for the God's kingdom, to build the God's kingdom. We started discipleship training course in our church. From our own product, the soul winners going out to the rural villages, we are sending and planting the church. When Pastor uh, Tom and Brother Schools came to India, at the time we have 42 pastors. With the past 42 pastors, uh, you gathered and teach them. Sure. Then sure. afterward, we have uh, our watchword, I told you, to reach the unreached rural villages. We are training our church young people in our discipleship training course. We are sending them to the rural villages where is, there is no church. Yes, we are planting now 105 branch churches to the CPH ministries. That's wonderful. 70 pastors. Amazing. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. That's worth clapping for. Uh, In the same point, we are uh, we, we are uh, reaching to the unreached, you know, through this way, uh, every two campaigns in a month, we all the interested uh, uh, soul winners and the pastors, we go to the new place, the new village, to proclaim the gospel two times in a, in a month. We are going for the outreach. Through the outreach, outreach, we are getting new souls mm -hmm. in the village. That's why encouraging, developing, church planting. Um, the leper colony. How how was that ministry? How did that start, and how is that going? <laughs> yeah, uh, leprosy is curable nowadays. Before we don't have any drug. In the Bible history, if there is any leprosy, there are cast outs. The priest only goes to them. After that, uh, here uh, nowadays, 
though the leper people healed the society neglects even the family mom and dad they come to home after healing now don't allow you go somewhere though you are healed we don't allow you the family neglects the restaurant neglects all the society neglects they go to the railway station and bus stations to survive uh, some place sometimes the the healed wounds may increase die the one day me and my wife mary asked the lord what to do this we have seen with our own eyes uh, people are dying uh, of course there is no leprosy at all if there is leprosy is healing now then who will take care of these destitutes and we have a great vision to all these former leprosy healed people why don't we have a care of them the care home we built a ordinary shed for them past time when he came he visited the leper house so that now they are happy and peaceful when we give them love in jesus christ when we feed them love in jesus they are peaceful and they are happy in the lord and growing strong in the word of god we are caring them i was so struck when i when we were at that leper colony we went to a worship service yes and, and the joy that they had there there was a, a person there who had lost both of his hands yeah. and he was drumming and he had a drumstick i got a, i got a mic i'm good okay Uh, and he was drumming he had a drum he had the drumsticks yes. tied to his stumps yes and here he is with If a huge smile have on fingers his they clap with the both yeah. hands okay. uh, that, that one of my leper colony elder of the church he don't have uh, fingers uh, tie up with a rope a stick and play the drum amazing they are the worship leaders yeah. they are the preachers and witness when they go out uh, uh, all the time they go to the train they, in, they enter into the train they enter into the bus they preach the gospel and give the tracts i supply the tracts and the testaments they are witnesses they are growing in the lord and the orphanage how, how about the orphanage how many orphans do you have now oh, orphanage also we gradually when the church is growing the needs also grow when when there is a destitute uh, kids they are uh, uh, the neglected kids they are grow- going to the uh, streets and become rag pickers trash pickers then without any awareness no discipline we are taking them and we started in in the year 2004 when the tsunami came most of the children destituted because of the tsunami the parents uh, died at the time we started with the 10 orphans gradually they're 40 45 sometimes 50 when they grown up they go to the the house you know in india families attached attached family relations are attached though a parent or mother die you know after that the when the kid grown up the uncle or someone take care of them so that uh, instead of uh, um, uh, gone with we, we, we take care the other little children now we have 23 kids children are future citizens for the kingdom of god 
children are future citizens for the kingdom of God. Our brother, choir leader, leading leader, is so concerned for the kids uh, and for the youth. Uh, like these are the future kids for the kingdom of God. They are growing strong in the word of God and going to home and uh, preaching the gospel to their family. That's where our watchword is, uh, caring the children. Excellent. I have this, this is a longer question, so I'm just going to read it. It says, India was originally founded to have a secular form of government that welcomed all religions, but there seems to be a huge power struggle now between Muslims, Christians, and Hindus, with Hindus claiming the majority of political power. How has that affected you? Yeah, in days when a political Hindu, political party ruling the India, since two times. When this Hindu political party ruling, they want to make all Indians worship their idols, their vision. Mr. Modi, you might have heard his name, Mr. Modi is the Prime Minister. When he came up, all these mass yep. came up. So persecution, when the persecution is created and disturbed the worship services, and even neighbor also don't allow the sound system. When the sound system comes immediately, he go to the police station and report. Uh, sometimes uh, gang, gang people come and disturb the worship and destroy the um, instruments and everything. And me too, having some experiences recently, since last uh, five years, uh, phone calls, through the phone calls, uh, uh, kill you, or uh, we, we do something, we fire up, by the grace of God, we have a strong RCC concrete building, all the campuses, God has given a strong buildings, but they can't fire, but uh, we have some threat, I have some threat. Their watchword is uh, leaders, uh, pastors, so that God is taking care. And especially they disturb when we stay at the bus station for the bus, where we go, stay for the uh, railway station. They identify the pastors, you know, and they give some uh, kidnap. Uh, sometimes they, they beat and some, they take away the Bible and uh, throw away our uh, tracks and do some nasty things. We need your prayer for protection. God is protecting. But uh, uh, our CPH prayer house is doing not only the spiritual service, we are providing um, social service, providing bed and bread. The people know, the society know. Even police people and all authorities. When Pastor Tom and the schools came, you know, I invited all the uh, one of our uh, uh, police leader. He came with his team or band. He they honored our Pastor Tom and uh, schools. Mm -hmm. And after the um, they came and he inspired invited Pastor Tom to home. Right, Pastor, right. Pastor Tom opened his Bible open the gospel. Afterwards, the officer came to the Lord. Whole family accepted the Lord. Now he's become a, a big officer, state leader. Whenever the problem comes, I call him because he transformed into Christ because of Pastor Tom. A police officer came to the Lord. So, uh, society also recognized me and the CPH. Why? Because 
we are taking care and sometimes when the relief comes cyclones and flood time and all the times we provide some food uh, to the community so all the gang leaders all the officers and the community leaders recognize us uh, sometimes they don't uh, do any disturbances please pray for that yeah please what is your impression of the United States physically and spiritually? Yeah. And have you noticed any of the decline yeah. that we obviously notice? Only the thing, we love America, all the Indians. Almost all over the globe, all over the world loves America. When America is precious, comes to the Lord, every word is peaceful. Nowadays, at present, America needs prayers. We all the Indian church, CPH, mission houses, praying for America. When America is, is well worthy and peaceful, our whole world is peaceful. We, are, uh, we need, America must be the leaders and the Governing government that repent themselves at where they are doing mistake and they must repent and come back to the Lord again God will revive America we want America we love America praying for America Excellent. yes all right well those that's all the questions that I have for you now I want to just speak a little bit about I have some other questions to ask the that I think the congregation might ask, but you can have a seat now if you'd like. Yeah. And, um, I'll call you up when, yes, we're, okay. when we're finished. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'll take the mic. Yeah. There you go. These are the questions that I surmise the congregation might be thinking, but might be afraid to ask. And the uh, the first question is, why should we as a congregation spend time and money and energy on issues in India when our country is falling apart? Now, that's the question that I raise. I'm going to answer it for you, okay? The answer is because we are under direct orders from God himself to care about India. Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, next question is, but we are a Reformed church. I mean, we believe that God is sovereign. Didn't God say in John 6, all that the Father gives me will Come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And didn't he say in John 10, my sheep hear my voice? I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Well, God is very clear saying that he is the end. That he draws all people to himself. And without him, faith is absolutely impossible. But he's also very clear that we are his means to his ends. And each of us has a role in speaking the good news or sending those who do. This is Romans 10, 13. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So let's say that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's say that you've called on the name of Jesus and you have been saved. That's a conclusion. It's the end of a long, long line of premises that God has crafted to bring you from unbelief to belief. And Paul says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? See, belief is a conclusion that's reached after only many previous steps have taken place, and it's exactly what Paul is referring to here. Instead of working through a series of premises to get to a conclusion, he starts at the conclusion and works his way backwards. And the conclusion is you believe in Jesus Christ. He says, okay, how could you possibly believe in a Jesus you never heard of? Well, whether it's right down the street or in the villages in India, the problem remains the same. And that is people are perishing who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul asks an extremely obvious question. He says, and how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? You heard Jesus because somebody spoke or wrote or sang or filmed or videotaped or, or in some way communicated in some manner, shape, or form the essence of who Jesus was. And only because some other human being communicated to you the real gospel were you able to believe. And then that really applies specifically in a gospel-saturated culture like ours is. I mean, I went through Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school, and Catholic college. And I firmly believe that I never once ever heard the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that no Catholics understand it and present it, but, but none in my first 20 years ever did so that I'm ever aware of. In fact, it was only when my, my brother preached the gospel to me that I heard it for the very first time. I heard who Jesus Christ was, why he had come to earth, and what he had come to do. You know, I was at a, I was at a party last night. And just like about every party I've been invited to in the last few years, I was offered a LaCroix, which I refer to as a LaCroix, which is a flavored seltzer, which is a travesty. I, I told my host, and I told it only because this was my daughter, once again, how much I hate flavored seltzers. Um, I mean, if you offered me one, I would certainly drink it down with a big smile on my face. You know, people say that they are subtly flavored. I said they're not subtly flavored. They are weakly flavored. But I find it an amazing, interesting coincidence that the most popular seltzer out there is LaCroix. And it's, it's named after La Crosse, Wisconsin, where it all got started. But it just so happens to be the French name for the cross. And it seems to me that the gospel today is very much a LaCroix gospel. It's extraordinarily subtle. God loves you. Jesus loves you. There you go. That's not a subtle gospel. That is a weak gospel. 
I mean, the real gospel is there really was an Adam and Eve in a real Garden of Eden, and they were flawlessly perfect. And they didn't live by the Ten Commandments because they didn't need to. They lived under one commandment. And that commandment said, all of this, all of this is yours with one exception. Do not eat this fruit. Well, they listened to the temptation of the serpent. And they revolted against their creator. And in one moment, when they did that, they ceased being perfect. Not only were they no longer perfect like their God, they had also passed that imperfection on to their offspring, creating a race that was now permanently outside the moral universe of its perfect creator. You see, the real gospel says that God loved us so much that he became one of us, and then he lived out the life that we were supposed to live perfectly. And then he went to the cross. And he went to the cross not to satisfy Satan or some ransom demand, but instead his own perfect sense of justice so that we, by faith, when we accept his sacrifice, could claim his perfection as ours. And as he put it, perfect justice and perfect mercy. They met and kissed at the cross. And it was there that God condemned our fallenness and at the very same time paid the penalty for it. Reject that gospel and you will remain in your fallenness, permanently unfit for fellowship with God. That's the gospel that I've never heard. And Paul says, how are they to hear <coughs> without someone preaching? But you know, being able to hear will never take place unless someone else was first behind the person who's communicating to you. Now, my brother, who had the very same education as I had, also never heard that gospel until he was alone in a cabin listening to a radio show about people coming to Christ. The radio show was called Unshackled. Some of you are familiar with it. Well, there for the first time, he heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and he gave his heart to God. And from that moment forward, he was determined to preach that good news. You see, it was a, it was a radio show that preached the gospel to my brother, and I was one of the first people that he preached it back to. Now, I resisted it for years until God finally broke through in one night in Michigan in 1973. But you have to understand something. Someone prepared and paid for and produced that radio show that first spoke to my brother so that he could speak to me. And Paul says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? You see, calling on Jesus is the result of hearing of Jesus, which is the result of preaching about Jesus, which is the result of being sent to preach Jesus. Calling on, hearing, preaching, and sending, they're all part of a continuum that every one of us is called on by Jesus to participate in. And see, that person who first shared the gospel with you passed on what he heard from someone else. And that trail goes back over 2,000 years to the original disciples who heard the gospel firsthand. And they've been passing it on from then to now. 
That person who shared the gospel with you got it either from the Bible directly or from a radio show or from the authors who wrote one of the books that he read or singers who wrote the song that he heard or producers of videotape that produced the video that he saw or the printers who printed whatever book he read. All of them had a role in the gospel going forward. And so what Paul is basically saying is that calling on Jesus is the result of hearing and believing in him, which is the result of someone preaching him, which is the result of someone sending a preacher. And that very same process is why Pastor Popov is here with us today. See, it was 16 years ago that Mary Jean DeSocio introduced us to a retired truck driver named Court Wood. You remember him? For sure. Uh, this was a man that God had moved to distribute surplus food in pro and produce in the Baltimore area. He was a retu retired truck driver that just used his contacts, et cetera, to distribute excess food that had been given out. He was a nobody just like all of us that God put his hand on and used. And then God blessed his food distribution efforts mightily. And after a while, someone asked Court if he could branch out to help other churches in other countries. And before he knew it, he was acting as a liaison connecting churches in India with churches in the United States. And Court Wood was responsible for Dave Schools and myself going to India to meet with Pastor Popoff 16 years ago. And since then, we have partnered with Christian House of Prayer to the mutual benefit of both of us. And I use that term partnered because it's an extremely appropriate way of describing it. You see, a partnership can only be lasting if there's mutual benefits to both sides. And I would be hard-pressed to say who's been more blessed by our partnership, CHP or Grace Fellowship. What we give to CHP is, is funding and material goods. What they give to us is first of all, lessons about what real faith is that we never could have understood until we had actually seen it face to face like Dave and I did. And perhaps far more important than those lessons was a commitment to lift us up in prayer continually. And we support them physically. They support us spiritually. And I guarantee you, we have the better end of the deal. And we as a church have been prayed for over and over again by people whose passion and commitment to prayer makes ours seem non-existent. And I've said many, many times, it was the women of this church praying for us who successfully launched this church in the first place. I have no doubt that the prayers of the Christian prayer house in India has sustained us and kept us through things that we don't even know would have attached itself to us. We've been extraordinarily blessed by God through a partnership arranged by a retired truck driver who's in heaven now. You know, we spent this, this, this last summer studying the book of Ecclesiastes, and that was Solomon's account of the foolishness and the vanity of life lived under the sun. That's life lived outside the kingdom of God. And we, we've, seen, we've seen that Solomon was this person who was incredibly gifted by God, to be the wisest, the wealthiest, and most powerful man who's ever lived. I mean, this was a man who spent his life doing marvelous things, creating some of the seven wonders of the world, all of which have been completely and totally consumed. 
This is just a, a brief accounting of Solomon of what he did. He says in Ecclesiastes 2, he said, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I brought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Well, that wisdom, as brilliant as it was, was incapable of producing anything that would last. And it was the knowledge of that that made Solomon's life miserable. See, absolutely nothing in this life lasts with one great exception. And it's as good a miraculous proof of God's power and wisdom as anything the atheist community would love to throw at the gospel. It's just a simple statement. It was a simple statement made by a prophet, the prophet Isaiah, and he made it 800 years before Christ was born. This is what he said. He said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Now understand, every single thing that Solomon put his hand to has crumbled with one tiny little exception, and that's the foundation of the temple that he built that's now a symbol of that destruction. It's called the Wailing Wall. I mean, it's where people come to lament and pray over the destruction that it represents. The finest efforts that human beings could ever make, they've all faded away. And yet the word of God, which was only found in fragments delivered by spoken word, by prophets in the day that Isaiah spoke. God said, that's going to stand forever. So I'm just wondering, how is that word of God doing today? Well, wouldn't you know the Guinness Book of Records has something to say about that. This, this is what they say about this book. They say it is impossible to know exactly how many copies have been printed in the roughly 1,500 years since its contents were standardized, but research conducted by the British and Foreign Bible Society in 2021 suggests that the total number probably lies between 5 and 7 billion copies. Every physical thing that human beings have touched has crumbled. The one thing that God has blessed forever is his word. And whether it's preached to the untouchables in India or to your neighbor and my neighbor right here in America, we know its power can never be stopped. And the challenge for us is, is whether or not we're willing to be part of calling on, hearing, preaching, and sending that God has called all of us to with no exceptions. I mean, 16 years ago, I watched Pastor Popov go from village to village, set up his speakers, and loudly and proudly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as India has become far more militantly Hindu, it's become considerably more difficult, considerably more dangerous. Hindu thugs are often there to threaten 
intimidate, and sometimes beat his pastors as they share that good news. We're not even remotely close to that. But unless we develop a holy boldness in sharing the gospel now, unless we recognize that this gospel has supernatural power that doesn't wither or fade but lasts forever, we will fold like cheap cameras when things get rough. And they inevitably will get rough. One thing Pastor Popoff showed me 16 years ago, he is still showing me today, and that is that the power of God through the word of God is all we need to advance his kingdom. And folks, nothing else matters. And whether it's America or India, it's all part of the task that God has given to him and to us. We have been blessed, humbled, and educated by Pastor Popoff and by the Christian House of Prayer. And we hope we can continue to be a blessing to him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for the ministry of Christian House of Prayer for Pastor Popoff and the marvelous things that he's done and the, the willingness that he has had to, to answer the call that you've had on his life. I just continue to pray for his family, for his ministry, for all that you're doing in India, that you would continue to bless it and bless us by our partnership with him. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.